Good morning. Oh. Busy, busy time of the year, isn't it? I, I, haven't, I don't think I've ever preached in such an elaborate setting before. This is awesome. This is, this is exciting. I was here for a couple of hours yesterday, and there were some people running around here like beavers. They were just scattering everywhere. And there was hammers and drills and I don't know what else, but it was a lot of stuff. Let's see. Let's bring up my, my slides if we can get to that. And we'll start out with, uh, oh, yeah. How many of you, how many of you know that this is the first Sunday in Advent? Anybody know that? Okay, you're doing better than the, than the 8, 830 group, okay? Hardly any of them knew. I know, we, you know, Brown Corners doesn't necessarily celebrate Advent the way some of the churches do, but it's the first Sunday in Advent. And I want to share a couple of texts today, one found in the Old Testament and then one found in the New Testament. But don't get... Don't get um, what do I want to say? Don't get scared by the, by the title of the message, Stewardship and the Christmas Season. I'm not up here to ruin your Christmas season, okay? So with that said, let's take a look at Jeremiah chapter 32. We'll begin with verse 37, where God's speaking to the people of Israel who are dispersed all over who knows where. He says, Behold, I will gather them from all of the countries to which I drove them in my anger and my wrath and in great indignation. I will bring them back to this place, and I will make them dwell in safety, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever. For their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant. That I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts. That they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing good to them. And I will plant them in this land in faithfulness. With all my heart and all my soul. That is God's message to you this morning. Then in the New Testament, looking at the Apostle Paul's letter to Corinth, chapter two, uh, chapter nine, and in his second book. So Second Corinthians chapter nine, beginning with, uh, we'll begin with verse uh, six and read through verse fifteen. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work. As it is written, 
He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your love. You are an incredible God. Would you quiet our hearts and our souls? Help us to put all the busyness of our lives on the shelf for just a little bit to be able to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, don't let the, the today's message title throw you into a tailspin. I know that the very word stewardship can and has struck fear into the hearts of many a Christian. <laughs> so the first task of the morning is to help you relax and say the message today will be different from what you may be expecting, I hope. The word relax, okay? It's up there. Aaron Rodgers likes to say relax. Although I think he's been relaxing a little too much lately. I happen to be a Packer fan. And they're number three down. And the Lions are on top. How did that happen? (laughs) A preacher's kid was attending a local police academy. In the course of their study, they had been discussing crowd control. And the instructor turned to the young cadet and asked, how would you proceed in dispersing an angry crowd? And without hesitation, he told the instructor in his class, he would borrow somebody's hat and start taking up a collection. You're doing better than the 8 o'clock group. I told them to take that one and put it in their pocket and take it out later for, for their amusement. But Okay. My purpose for today is to expand our, expand our understanding of stewardship as it relates to our lives as believers and the fact that the New Testament stewardship tells us that it is grounded squarely in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The New Testament has a lot to say about money and giving. And it pushes us 
It pushes us to realize that stewardship is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Now, it's also true that the Old Testament reveals that God is concerned about the heart. And we are told that his heart was grieved by Israel because his people drifted so far away from him relationally. But before we deal any further with quote-unquote stewardship, we need to turn our attention to what today represents on the Christian calendar. Today is the first Sunday in Advent. I know that Brown Corners doesn't necessarily lift that up. That's okay. Some of you come from church traditions, though, that have experienced uh, Advent as a, as a time of celebration. Traditionally, Advent has been celebrated as the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And originally, it was to help believers prepare themselves for the Christmas celebration. It was a time for reviewing some of the promises God had made to Israel through the Old Testament. Promises like Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. You probably know this one. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Christmas reminds us of how God fulfilled his promises through the coming of his son Jesus on that first Christmas. Now the beauty and power of the incarnation rests in the fact that God has reached out once again to provide a way for a lost humanity to be rescued and redeemed from the enemy's camp and become members in the household of faith and part of the family of God as sons and daughters. How incredible is our God. The incarnation speaks, of, speaks to us of our importance. Did you know you were important? There are so many times in life when we're told we're not that important. Oh, no, 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 no. With God, you are important. It confirms the truth that a much higher value has been placed upon us than we previously knew. The Advent season in the early church, however, had another purpose. It was a time to remember that just as Jesus had come into our world on that first Christmas, he is coming again. He is coming again. As believers, we are to remember his promise to return and then we would be with him forever. We shortchange Christmas 
if we fail to acknowledge the fact that he is coming again. And we need to be ready. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are ready. The incarnation is about Jesus stepping into our world, not as the King of Kings, but as an infant. He was protected, nurtured, and educated by his earthly parents. And they watched him grow into manhood, just like any other boy grows into manhood. But he was also different. Because he was the son of God. And God saw to it, if you read the stories, God saw to it that his son was kept safe until the time came for him to give his life on the cross as a ransom price for anyone who would believe in his sacrifice as a personal payment for your sin and mine. Wow. The Advent season is a time to remember that God loves us. That he is preparing a place for us. Oh, we can't even begin to imagine all that God has in store for those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. You can't even begin to imagine how good it's going to be. He's preparing a place for us. He is coming again. He is. That's found in scripture time and time again. And then God will enjoy us. Did you know God wants us to be with him so we so he can enjoy us and we can enjoy him? Isn't that awesome? You have a God who wants to enjoy you. The gospel is a story. The story of his love for us and what he has done for us that we could never, ever do for ourselves. His love sent his one and only son into our world for us. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 8, 31 and 32, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Take note of the term graciously. It's a beautiful word. It's an old word in Greek. But it's a beautiful word that communicates to us the fact that God is giving gifts that we don't earn and can't buy. They're unmerited. We don't deserve them. He just gives them. What about that? Wow. The word also conveys the truth that the one giving the gifts has great pleasure in giving them. God enjoys giving gifts to us. 
That's what that term means. So God graciously gives us what he has given us. Wow. Uh, I think he also wants us to learn how to be more like his son Jesus, though, don't you? I mean, you know, that would be nice if we'd just learn how to be a little bit more like Jesus. And the scripture is there to help us with that. Christmas is about God's love for us and the outrageous gift he has given us in his son Jesus. God is a generous giver. Which brings me to my second point. Now don't jump ahead of me. This is where you will need to listen carefully. Stewardship is far more than the giving of our money or using a calculator to try to figure out what amount is appropriate. Did you get that? Stewardship is far more than the giving of our money or using a calculator to try to figure out what amount is appropriate. To put it as succinctly as I can, New Testament stewardship is the management of your new life in Christ Jesus and encompasses every aspect of your life and mine. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the message of the Bible on numerous occasions reveal that we are to live from this new heart that God promised to give in Jeremiah and, and Isaiah and again in, in Ezekiel 36, 26 and, and following. I'll give you a new heart. I'll put my spirit within you and oh, I'll cause you to walk in my ways and everything will be good. God looks upon the heart. We're told time and time again in the Old Testament even, God looks upon the heart for the intentions and motives of his children. Why do you do what you do? God looks upon the heart. Mankind looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. And remember that the heart is where the Spirit of God resides. And consequently, it is the place then where we are guided in becoming more like Jesus in word and deed and character. You can become more like Jesus, and he'll help you. So put away your calculators for now and tune into your heart and the Spirit of God. What is he trying to tell you? Now, you may be wondering, why am I putting this stuff up here? You're not following it. That's okay. It's just extracurricular activity for you. So you can look at stuff and say, oh, okay, that's, that's all right. I can go along with that. Gives you something else to do, you know. But it is, it is in the message. It's embedded within the message. So hang on. Okay. As mentioned earlier, stewardship rests on the fact that God has an incredible love for you. The appropriate motive, therefore, 
for our giving must rest on the reality of God's love for us. A lot of people will say, well, it isn't, isn't it dependent upon our love for God? No, no, don't reverse it. It's God's love for you that is the motive for giving. The Bible tells us that he loved us first so that we could love in turn, right? The same is true of everything else in life. He gives to us first so we can give in turn. It is rarely ever about the amount we give and almost always about the condition of our heart before God as our loving Abba. God doesn't need our money. Oops. No, no, no. God doesn't need our money. This whole world is his. We are his. He doesn't need. So why is stewardship in there? The management of your life in Christ. You get to manage it. He's not going, he's, he'll help you manage it, but you get to manage True Christian stewardship begins with our recognition and the understanding that everything we have, house, car, boat, hunting cabin with all the trimmings and all the equipment used by me for the hunt, the ability to work, the gift of a job, all of these things and so much more are gifts from a loving Abba in heaven who enjoys giving good gifts to his children. That's you and me. Truth be told, every breath we take and every heartbeat is a gift from him. It also helps if we recall that God understands that we have needs that require resources. In fact, Everything that we do on this earth requires resources of one kind or another. Dollars, yes. More often than not, energy. Right? Take care of that screaming kid. It takes energy. And sometimes a lot more. But we need those resources. And God knows that. God understands. You know? Above all else, God wants our heart. We are important to him. He has a desire for us to love him and offer him our thanksgiving for all he's done for us through his son Jesus. He also wants our life to be a demonstration of his agape love and the gratitude we have for all that he has done for us. God wants us to have a large and generous heart that reflects his values and character. And we can do that if we let God be a part of our lives and trust him and follow the Spirit. Because you and I live as members of the household of faith and as his sons and daughters, right? And page after page of scripture, if we read it properly and interpret it correctly, 
will in some way challenge us to live our lives as God's representatives upon this earth and especially with regard to how we relate to one another. Time does not permit a single message to convey all that is involved in coming to understand New Testament Christian stewardship. But here are some clues that are provided by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. First of all, it says that God values a cheerful giver. God values a cheerful giver. Okay. Where does cheerfulness come from? Does it not come from your heart? So God wants a cheerful heart to be giving. It's a reflection of the condition of your heart. Two, if God is encouraging you to give or to do something, don't hold back. Don't be reluctant. Don't hold back. Trust him. Trust him. Ah, easier said than done, isn't it? I mean, there have, been, there have been times in my life where God said, go do something. And I said, oh, God, I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, when he called me to be a pastor, I said, you got to be kidding. You know what you're doing? Fortunately, he does. <laughs> okay? But the other thing that Paul says is don't be pressured into giving. I like that one. Don't be pressured. Come on. That, that robs us of cheerfulness. If, I'm, if I have any inkling at all about human nature. Remember that God is able. God is able to provide you with more than enough to take care of yourself and give to the good works he has for you to be involved with. Now there's so much more we could say, but let's start with a few basic principles. I think I want to go on to another one. I'm not sure where I am. I'm not even sure where you are. I'm on giving. Okay, that's okay. But I'm going to put up the next one. Click. There we go. Blessed. To be a blessing. That's something you'll find in the scriptures over and over and over again. God wanted Israel to be a blessing to the people around them. He wanted them to demonstrate that they belonged to him and that made a difference. I think he wants the same from us. But listen to this. The first thing we need to understand about stewardship is that God provides. God gives us what we need. He gives us more than we need. So that we can give from the heart. Give from the heart. You don't get anything else out of this. Get that one. Give from the heart. It's good to give regularly. And it's good to give proportionately. Out of what God has blessed you with. 
because we are blessed in order to be a blessing. And when you give, know that you will be storing up treasure in heaven because you are investing in what God is doing in our world and involved in the good works he has for you to be doing. Jesus said in the Gospels, be careful about laying up treasure here on earth. You know why? Because thieves can break in and steal. Moths chew it up. Rust takes care of the rest. (laughs) But put your treasure in heaven. How do we do that? By being involved and investing in everything God wants to be doing in and through your life. It's not complicated. Know this, my friends. The motive for giving is God's love for us. The Christmas season is all about his love for us. And, and you know something? I'm, I'm aware of, of the fact that, you know, Max Lucado even wrote a book. It says, it's not about you. It's about him. And, okay, I get that. I get that. But the Christmas season is about you. The reason we give is so that we can be involved in ministry and advancing the kingdom of heaven. The Christmas season, the coming of Jesus, is about you and what he wants for you. Do not miss that in the season of running every which way but loose. <laughs> let God speak to your heart. And let God tell you how much you mean to him. May the Lord bless you and guide your heart through his Holy Spirit and the truth of his Holy Word as you travel through this busy season we call Christmas. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you once again for the privilege of being able to share a message. I thank you that Jeremiah has invited me to come alongside of him and to share. I pray your special blessing upon him and his family. Especially in this Christmas season when there is so much going on and there is so much to do. Let it not drown out the voice of God. As you speak to us, God, Help us to listen and have the courage to do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.